0: John, ESPN got Tom Brady versus the Cowboys on Monday Night
1: Football. And they also had the College Football National Championship. And? Welcome back to the dumbest show that has ever run on any television channel of all time.
0: And we're back. The Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. And John, uh, good to see you. You're coming live from L.A. where you were at the national championship game this week, uh, which uh, wasn't, wasn't that great a game. But hopefully you got a lot of stuff done out there.
1: Cold and rainy here in L.A., uh, Andrew. Uh, typical sports writer talk, complaining about the weather. But I, I want to give, before we get started on the show, I want to give a quick shout-out to Jake Horowitz. That's Jamie Horowitz's son, who I ran into Jamie and his son at the game. And Jamie said, hey, Jake, this. Uh, do you know who this is? This is John O'Rand." he goes, and Jake Horowitz, without skipping a beat, says, oh, my dad says you have the best sports podcast out there. Unbelievable. So, Jake, you're, you're, he should be my who's up on that, Andrew.
0: (laughs) There you go. All right. Thank you, Jake Horowitz. All right. Let's go. Who's up and who's down? Who's up? Who's
1: down? All right, Andrew, let me start. I'm going to give my who's up to Jimmy Pitaro of ESPN. I mean, we haven't seen the TV numbers from Monday night's Georgia TCU blowout, and I'm sure they're going to be grizzly. 65-7, to that was the most lopsided point differential in FBS bowl history, any bowl. Uh, Pitaro certainly wanted a closer game, but uh, I got to tell you, after spending the last three days in Los Angeles, man, this is a big event, and ESPN owns it. They own all parts of it. Uh, they, they devoted 20 hours of studio programming across its platforms to the game on Monday. Uh, last year's championship game: 23 million uh, viewers for it. The Georgia Ohio State semi, which is also um, uh, ESPN's, that, that had about 20 23 million as well. Austin Carb from SBJ he listed the top 100 telecasts for 2022. And other than the NFL and the Olympic opening ceremony, college football was the only sport to crack the top 30. And again, ESPN has it by itself and it's had it since the BCS days. So you can understand why there is such a fervor for this expansion and the rights around all the conferences.
0: All right. My who's up is Cameron Maben. And you say, well... Andrew, you just had a story this week where Maven was dropped from Yes's game broadcast after just one season of doing Yankee games, uh, and yes, that's true. Uh, but what I want to point out is class. So I talked to Maven the other day, and the way he handled it, just classy. I mean, he could have been bitter. He did say he wanted to return, and he's not returning, uh, but he wasn't. Uh, he's got a lot going on. He's a big part already of MLB Network. Uh, he does... Cubs uh, work with Marquis. And according to the athletics, John Greenberg, Marquis is very high on them, and they should be very likable guy um, and brought a different perspective to the booth. And this is the other thing. And I think we have a nice forum here where a lot of people in the business listen to us. I do think with social media, there is a feeling that everyone's supposed to be pick your name, in your prime, Tim McCarver, Tony Kubek, the second you get in the booth. Instead of, there's a developmental process. We saw that with Ron Darling. Ron Darling with the Nationals was apparently terrible.
1: He was all, I don't mean to interrupt you. who's up. He was awful.
0: He's awful. He goes to SNY, they did a good job producing him. Gary Cohn's an excellent play-by-player. He's working with his buddy, Keith Hernandez. And now he's been a fixture on the LCS, on Turner for years and years. And so um I just wanted two things, I think. I could see why Maven has gotten all these opportunities. Number one, uh, and then number two, handling the situation with class. Uh, I just think we should uh, point that out as well.
1: Yeah, I, I'm glad you did that. We had a, a same similar situation in DC with Justin Kutcher, who was doing Wizards games for a long time. Uh, they fired him. He didn't want to leave, and uh, he's he's maintained a relatively low profile he hasn't burned any bridges and uh is doing some stuff for you know ESPN and, and Fox and has uh, some something else in his future so pointing out class and pointing pointing out how to how to exit jobs i think is a, a good point
0: that said if anybody does want to burn bridges on the record uh my <laughs> phone is always open
1: <laughs> my email is first initial last name absolutely well let's go to who's down and my who's down has to be Troy Vincent i mean what's a Watergate what's a Watergate cliche Andrew it's it's not the scandal it's the cover-up and of course during the Damar Hamlin coverage Joe Buck announced a play would resume in five minutes and the game as we know was ultimately canceled but there was a what was, was really a seemingly small question about where that five minutes came from why did he say five minutes whose idea was that well on Monday Don Van Nada uh, from ESPN posted a th- thoroughly researched story that credibly in my eyes lays the blame at the feet for the five minute call at the feet of Troy Vincent. Uh, he, here was a, the sort of the nut graph in in his uh, in his story was while NFL officials insisted that they never intended to restart the Bills Bengals games, the accounts of coaches, players, union officials and team executives tell another story. Postponing the game was a ground up decision. And honestly, this would be barely worth a mention i'm sure i wouldn't have mentioned it if the league and espn for that matter had not been so opaque as to how to about how, how to deal with it
0: nice word opaque uh good job there
1: i think i pronounced it correctly too Opa- oh yeah, you did you did oh, yeah God.
0: those you are way off way <laughs> off a lot of text for, to people saying which is the ethos is ethos nobody <laughs> did you, you admit ethos
1: yeah I, I i miss i misspoke on ethos all yes, right
0: ethos. fair enough all right my who's down tony romo Uh, The Bills game the other day, the start was amazing. Here's Jim Nance on the call, and pay attention closely to the end of this call uh, to Tony Romo.
1: Pittsburgh and Cleveland, Miami and the Jets were underway as New England decided to defer after winning the toss. And here's Hines on the run back, breaking a tackle and taking it past midfield, and down the sideline he goes. This is storybook! An opening kickoff return for Tamar Hamlin. And this place is absolutely going wild. Oh, you just said this is storybook. This is almost fate.
0: I just can't believe it. The big issue here is Romo needed to be silent there but the crowd and the pictures take over. Nance had a pretty good call uh, on the run back and I don't think Romo needed to add anything. And this is and and so part of this is on Romo, but just overall this is something that you know the Romo Nance team just doesn't gel. And I know the big narrative, especially coming out of CBS and people close to Nance, when Romo uh, first came in, I think a lot of writers wrote this as well. And perhaps it's true was that Nance kind of made Romo and that's why he was better. I don't know what's gone on in that um, relationship or what the chemistry in the booth, but uh, as a play-by-play guy, uh, there's just something missing there. And, Again, that's on Romo for not being silent, but you think as a team, you know, Nance is the experienced guy, has been doing for a long time. Someone, it needs to be said, like, yeah, lay out there and let the crowd tell the story. Um, and that's a case where more was less, uh, and we did not need to hear Romo at that point.
1: Yeah, you know what's so interesting is you and I both agree on, uh, he shouldn't be talking over his play-by-play announcer, but what is unique about tony romo is that fans or friends of mine who are not part of the business they love that they think it shows excitement they, they i mean it technically is really like uh, from what we know about calling games like nobody no producer would want that to happen and no play by play person would want that to happen but for some fans that still does work for them and they they love that it's a uh,
0: no i think it's some occasions in that occasion though it's the crowd it's the atmosphere and then you wait and then you give the analysis and that's where he needed to be a little bit more patient and wait for the opportunity instead of this magical moment um you know with all the emotion uh with uh Damar Hamlin better uh and number three all around the NFL run back in the opening kickoff at Orchard Park uh it just wasn't needed it's just, it's kind of not the biggest thing in the world, but I do think it's something that just kind of shows a little bit of the crack that we've seen over the last few years for whatever reason with Nance and Romo um and you know that's on Romo there for for talking when he when he shouldn't have um and it's part of being a team though and understanding each other and understanding how to do the broadcast together, which I think is largely a problem is the broadcast doesn't sound together often.
1: All right Andrew, let's get into the topics uh, you mentioned this in the um opening ESPN. Getting the uh, Cowboys and Tom Brady's potentially last game in the NFL. Were you surprised by that?
0: Well, that, that's a good one. I, I don't think it'll be his last game in the NFL, personally. But it, uh, a little surprised. I do think if you look at the circumstances of what's just gone on um, with uh, Demar Hamlin, maybe that worked into it. Uh, you know, that that to me was the biggest reason, uh, most likely, is that they they basically. Uh, missed the game for Monday night, so they got the most marquee matchup. I mean, Buck and Aikman might have helped a little bit, but I think it had more to do with the circumstances of uh missing that final game because of the uh, Hamlin situation in Cincinnati against with the Bills and the and the Bengals.
1: They got huge viewership when uh, Scott Van Pelt came on, but then they didn't have any commercials that, where they could go, do it. So they must have lost in the, in the tens of millions of dollars in terms of uh, of uh, commercials there. So that, that may that's what would really make sense in terms of uh, why they got that game. But also, this isn't the ESPN package, uh, wildcard package from before, where they had the first game of the weekend on a Saturday afternoon. This is a primetime game on Monday night. So ESPN without the DeMar Hamlin situation was in line to get a premier, a premier level game. Uh, it, I was surprised to see them get the top game of the weekend, but they were certainly in line to get a better game than uh, that, than, you know, what they had been getting in in, in past years.
0: Okay. And as we go forward, we're going to try to incorporate some of the questions we get from, from you guys through Twitter uh, and one that we got from uncle sloppy Joe on Twitter.
1: Sloppy Joe, slap,
0: slap a <laughs> which uh is quite a name his real name apparently is joe simons thanks joe uh or uncle sloppy joe uh can you explain how the game times and networks are decided for nfl playoffs specifically the first two weeks it's got to be something like a really small draft right so
1: is that how's it work it works that the uh, networks uh, they go and they lobby the NFL and they beg for the best games and and there's a it's an intense amount of lobbying that you typically uh used to see around you know the Super Bowl when they're lobbying for the best games of the of the next season and so you, you know everybody put in a, re- a request for that Cowboys game you know and, and it ended up going to ESPN I, so that uh, ultimately uh there, there are networks that are going to be upset with with what they end up with um. Uh, of course, CBS gets the AFC game and uh, Fox gets uh, uh, an NFC game right now. But then you throw like ESPN into the mix, you throw NBC into the mix, and they have to take some and and, and move them around. What surprised me about Wildcard Weekend is it, NBC of Sunday Night Football fame didn't end up with a marquee matchup, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I would agree they they, they didn't. Um, but uh, still not terrible. You got that AFC North matchup. Uh, the Bengals uh, and the Ravens, and then Al Michaels and Tony Dungy. They got a good game. I like that Jacksonville Charger game. Uh, Might feel Thursday night-ish, but those are two great quarterbacks that you get to feature. Uh, Al Michaels and and Dungy on that. Uh, So, you know, some interesting things broadcasting-wise. The other one in play, John is Sean McVay, uh, who by the time this podcast comes out may have already stepped down from the Rams. I think the part about McVay... Uh, When you look at broadcasting, I don't think there's a 20 million plus dollar a year job like he had potentially with Amazon if he'd wanted to be be Al Michaels' partner starting this year. Uh, There's no game analyst jobs right now. And the question for him is, and I've been told from some people who are close to him that he might like more interested in doing games than being a a studio analyst, is you know, it might be better not doing anything or doing maybe podcasts, you know, staying in it a little bit than kind of hurting his value, you know, potentially as a game analyst one day uh because he could still coach again if he does you know time to come out he's coming out eventually it's obvious if it doesn't happen this year it's happening next year or the year after it seems pretty certain that mcVeigh is not with the Rams for the long haul uh but but it but I do think he's an interesting equation and he could try to do other things with new media I mean he's only he's in his 30s this isn't like an old curmudgeon guy.
1: Yeah, by the way, that advice is great advice. Timing is everything. We talk often about Tony Romo and how he got that $18 million million dollar a year job, you know. And it was because ESPN started to try to poach him. And it's like selling a house. You get more than one bidder, all of a sudden the the, the numbers go up. Uh if if he had come out last year, there were plenty, plenty of openings because Amazon was a new dreamer, you know, a, a new yep. rights partner that was coming in and it needed to build, build up, build it up. Uh and then you had all the movement you know the free agent frenzy that's not going to happen this year you have set you have people that that are set so do you want to come out and potentially go the jason witten route where it's like wow that guy wasn't as good as we thought he was well if you get
0: 20 million dollars then fine but like if you don't get the 20 mil you need to get the money first nobody's
1: going to pay 20 mil for the the number two No, not for the
0: number no 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 chance in the booth um is there a combo deal that he could do with an Amazon or a Disney where it's podcasts and all these other things? I don't think he's at that Manning Brady level, but is there something to be done there? There might be something creative to be done there. I could see it. ESPN was in on Brady. I mean, not at 37 and a half million, more like I think 15, 20 million without doing games. Uh, McVeigh's. So there could be a good amount of money out there. If
1: I, if I were him, I would worry about it. if I went into the ESPN, uh, you know, ecosystem. I would be one of how many ex-coaches that, that that's kind of talking. Then you really have to have to sort of you know get get ahead of it. Now it's more about paying for the potential that you you think he's going to be really good, as opposed to coming in and just kind of be being fit someplace. So you know, it, 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 be patient. This isn't going to be the situation two decades from now.
0: Yeah, I could see Fox maybe for the Super Bowl coverage, playoff coverage, maybe going after McVeigh or Aaron Rodgers as just kind of an add-on, uh, for their studio stuff. A guy named Tom Brady. Uh, I don't. He's not gonna be in the booth, obviously. Um, and I'm not sure he'll even be in studio if they get eliminated. But uh, but he's the guy who, um, they've made an investment, in, I believe. Um, and so uh, I think you know he, he's a possibility as well. All right, let's get hit you on know, a couple more NFLs before we get out of here. This is something sensitive issue, I think. Um, Greg Gumble had a rough, rough final game And season uh, this year CBS is going to have to make some decisions on this This is a little bit tough to listen to But this is from the other day uh, The Browns-Steeler game This is a touchdown call uh, Keep in mind Sean Watson is the quarterback of the Browns
1: Brissett still with the ball Now thrown inside The five to the end zone Najoku With the John Watson, there he is. And now Najoku on the receiving end.
0: Yeah, that's tough to listen to. Greg Gumbel yeah. has had a tremendous career. Um, and so uh it's just it's hard. This is a hard thing. We've seen this with uh broadcasters. I'm not saying it's age-related. I don't I don't know what, what what's going on um in, in that situation, but you want to be sensitive to, to to the man's career and how great Greg Gumbel has been over the years from ZSPN days on to CBS, but they, but they're gonna have to figure that out because you know obviously. That's not what you want, and and Gumbel struggled uh, at times uh, throughout the year, but uh, really was highlighted this week.
1: All right, Andrew, I w- I'm in L.A. I spent Sunday at, on the Fox lot at the at Fox Studios as they are going through uh, what Billy Wanger called controlled chaos inside the uh, the, the uh, production room. As a viewer, how did how did Fox perform?
0: Yeah, I think Fox and CBS both did a good job. This is why uh, it's a minor thing to me. It's basic uh sports television however fox had trouble with this during the world cup i don't know if i've mentioned i I didn't really uh, i wasn't as fond as their coverage um and the uh so during the last sunday of the playoffs <laughs> the cbs and fox um had the scores from the other games that are impacting the game you're watching uh up in the on the screen which is smart it's one shot uh, one-stop shopping, and that's what you should have in the group stage of the uh, World Cup, which is basically similar to last week of the playoffs. They didn't do that for some reason. And so I thought that was good, so a plus to them. DirecTV says goodbye, John, so let's hit on that. Uh, what's your take on that after, was it, 1994? How 1994,
1: it? that's, a, what, what is that, 10, 20, uh, almost 30 years of uh, a Sunday ticket on, uh, on, on DirecTV. They finally said goodbye, and if my Twitter feed... Uh, is is real life they're losing subscribers by the boatload right now with people that that, that only had direct tv uh for access to sunday ticket uh i'm not going to do the story i can't do the story until we actually see what the results are at the next their next quarterly earnings call to see how much they they actually lost in terms of uh subscribers that's something to to to, uh, to look at but um you know direct tv really when it launched in 1994, it launched with Sunday Ticket and Sunday Ticket and the NFL. I truly believe, just like they helped build ESPN, and just like the uh, the NFL helped build uh, Fox Sports, it really helped build Directv into a place for sports fans. And so, th- this really is a, a seminal moment in in uh, in uh, TV viewing. But Directv still is the front runner to maintain Sunday Ticket as a, a commercial licensee where they're going to sell it to, to bars and to restaurants and and uh and and things along those lines because bars and restaurants they're not set up to take uh to to stream to every TV. Uh they they don't have YouTube TV boxes in every single bar and restaurant. DirecTV is already there, but this is going to be an interesting deal to follow because uh, you know, as with the NFL and Apple, the, you know, the the NFL wants a lot, but DirecTV has all the leverage here because who else is going to sell at the bars and restaurants? They're the only game in town. So how this progresses uh, is is going to be interesting to watch. And the fact that they don't have a deal already suggests that they're maybe not as close as uh, as I would have ex- expected that they would be.
0: Yeah, I could see that um, you know being a little bit contentious, given you know the recent history and and Directv trying to get out of that deal. All right, let's move to our final topic under NFL: uh, the top one hundred shows now. If you're someone like me, someone like you, some anybody listening who writes about sports media, writes about the NFL, we've been saying that 75 of the top 100 shows for the previous year were NFL games. What are we going to be writing now? What's the number out of 100 for next season, John? That we're writing?
1: Honestly, this is stunning to me, Andrew. 82 games cracked the list according to a, and, and I got to give a shout out to Austin Carp, our uh, SBJ's ratings guru. Who, uh, compiles this list every single year. 82 games this year, up from 75 last year, 72 the year before, 78 the year before. Uh, it it's it's it seems like a broken record now, but I just want to emphasize this is all television. I mean, as growing up, the idea that that sports would uh, dominate television like this, is, uh, I mean, it, it's it's a really an incredible achievement. And of those 82 games regular season games. It's not all Super Bowl and playoffs. I mean, they, they can't be with, the, with, with those 82. And if you throw in college football uh, of uh, all genres in television, not just sports again, but all genres, college football plays four. So 86 American football games. We're, we're on the list, uh, as was like, you know, the, the State of the Union address, but that goes across multiple networks. Uh, it still gets higher number than than I would have expected. One main point about the list that that I have to highlight is the Olympics. Uh, the Olympics were all, would always, every four years, or I guess every two years, would dominate the list. But this year, or actually not this year, but uh, 2022, they put forth a record low number of telecasts in the top uh, 100 two nights one was the opening ceremony which always ranks high and the other was the uh the olympics that came right after the super bowl uh, which uh, which is just shocking if you think about that four years earlier the winter games uh from pyeongchang that was 12 nights that got into the top 100 beijing it turned into two that's uh something that bears watching
0: yeah i mean i do think that LA Olympics will do much better. I do think the time zone makes a big difference for
1: the oh, Olympics. Totally. But I, I by the way, think- when I say it bears watching, I, I, I sounded skeptical. Paris is going to be great. Yep. LA after that is going to be great. The, the Olympics are getting ready to just be. Blown. Yeah.
0: I wouldn't be as worried. Yeah. If I'm NBC, I think it's about to have an upswing. I also think no fans, the whole. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of issues with that Olympics, uh, you know, that, that make it so. Yes, that's not good for it, but also uh, that you can see why it wasn't uh, didn't do as well. All right, let's move to college football. Hit on some topics here. Uh, All right, you know what
1: I'm most interested about uh, college football. I was I was at the game, so I didn't watch any coverage. Okay. But my tw- again, my Twitter feed was inundated with McAfee. We had McAfee in the opening. Did you watch him?
0: I did. Well, I watched both. I had the double TV action going. I had Fowler and Herbshire on the top TV, and then I had McAfee uh and company on the bottom tv so, um, so
1: can you explain for a second what's your situation do you have tvs the same size one on top one on bottom
0: uh, i'm looking at it right you- now it's my office so in my office i got a three television setup you can bring out the ipad if you need a fourth screen um so i got one on the wall one on like a with a Little dust, you know, countertop. And then I got my uh, computer screen on my desk that's also relatively big. So yeah, it's a pretty good setup.
1: Hey, kids, um, don't bother me. I'm working.
0: Embarrasses my kids. We're gonna have some <laughs> one of my daughter's friends stay for college, and she's like, uh, she's not staying in your office. I mean, that's where the guest room is too. And uh like embarrassed by the three kids, but <laughs> gotta make a living, gotta pay for this college. Mm-hmm. Uh so somebody has gotta watch all these things. Yeah, so I did watch both. Um Obviously, the game was terrible. Uh, This was a Manning cast, or Omaha production cast. Here's the thing about it. So, uh, I find McAfee entertaining. This was entertaining. Um, It was basically the Pat McAfee show, um, whose roots are from Barstool. uh, And so it's kind of a Barstool sort of uh we're sort of in on the joke with you kind of thing uh that they're doing uh that's the type of comedy we're uh not making fun of it but having fun which is which is good um the one thing i would say and we're gonna the ratings will come out before the podcast so i I, i try to think why you know why is something so successful and can it be replicated? So why has the Manning cast been so successful? Well, obviously, there's great chemistry between Peyton and his brother, Eli. Uh, and Eli making fun of Peyton. Peyton's brain on football is at a different level. Peyton Manning's one of the greats of all time. Uh, Eli's a Super Bowl legend. But I think what really separates it beyond all those things is that they're not on all the time. Now, Eli has been you know on more things but it's more streaming stuff. It's more things you have to find. So I think with McAfee, while it is good, um, and I did find it entertaining, uh, McAfee's doing the same show every day. So you can get that. It's not unique to the college. Now, this is difficult for Omaha Productions. If they're going to be valued at a billion dollars, then you got to come up with some ideas that are unique. Uh, and I'm not saying it's a McAfee. McAfee is a good choice, but uh, can they find... Uh, another formula where you can do what they do with the Manning cast um, with some of these old casts uh and Like, so like the NBA, for example, who would I want? I mean, Michael Jordan, right. I'd like to see him. LeBron. Uh, if you, you know, if you could get him, obviously he's playing at the moment. Uh, magic to a point bird and magic. That's one that I think I'd effort to get. I think that would be, could be really good. Now, it depends if they're willing to talk. Are they willing to have fun? Are they going to joke around? But that could be some good chemistry. Uh, And, you know, again, they they all want to, there's a price tag on all this stuff. So is it worth it to ESPN, to Omaha Productions? But that's the one thing I would say, um, you know, when you talk
1: about it. I agree with you totally where these work based on talent. But the, the reason to me that the Manning cast is so successful is that Peyton is an A1 TV talent. He's hosted Saturday Night Live and did well on that. He's he, he's been great in commercials. He's uh there's a reason that all the TV networks were 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 trying to get him for for a lot of money like he's able to do it. So Burden Magic would they be good on TV? Like uh, uh if you talk about you know what I'd love to see? I mean I didn't see the, Ma- the McAfee so I, I I I'm I'm just talking more at a fifty thousand foot level, than than uh, going down there. But let's say the Celtics are in the uh, NBA Finals. Wouldn't I love to see like the Bill Simmons show live with the rights, just like going through and t- and and t- like I'm um, like I'd be sitting next to Bill Simmons and 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 listening to to the Bill Simmons show doing that. McAfee, like yeah, the McAfee show is 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 being replicated, but it's being replicated around some of the most high cost rights that are in uh, TV sports right now. So it, it, it is unique. What What makes it more unique is that he's doing his show for the game and as, as the game is happening and it's, it, it's a vehicle to see that. So I, I, I would almost go away from, all right, let's just get like an, a legend of whatever sport, unless they're like a Peyton level uh, you know, like if it's Charles Barkley on the NBA. Yep. Yeah, I'll, I'll totally do that. But the, like Michael Jordan,
0: that that would be my impression. And I, and I hear you on that. All right, let's go. You got college football rights. What do you got on that
1: uh, CFP rights? Uh, I, I got to give you some grief because you gave me grief last pod when the, the, we had two semifinal games that were great. And then look what happens. This is like—I mean, what do you think is going to happen when this expands? There, there are they are going to be so many blow up. Boise State again going to Tuscaloosa. Oh maybe <laughs> you happens. because Georgia. I don't want to. Do happens, I, yeah, I don't want to talk about Boise. I don't want to talk about Boise State anymore. I want to talk about TCU. Maybe I guess right. The uh, but.
0: These are credit to Horn Frogs, but yeah,
1: you're all right. That, that's
0: a, it's, that's a tough watch.
1: All that notwithstanding, uh, the, the 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 rights are going to go for a boatload. ESPN, uh, as as my Who's Up indicated, they they love just owning all of it right now, and they want to continue to own. it.
0: both. I thought you said it wasn't worth it the early rounds.
1: Oh, I I, I don't think it is. I, th- I think you're buying. You're buying Wait, the whole
0: thing. Is it worth it or not? You got to pick. You just said now it is worth it.
1: I personally, I don't personally. think it's worth it do i think that, that that they're gonna stupid TV break...
0: executives think it
1: is yeah do i think they're gonna break the bank yeah <laughs> i think they're kidding. gonna break the bank i'm yeah. only
0: kidding when i call you stupid tv executives <laughs> it's a
1: joke <laughs> yeah they're dumb tv executives no no they, they want to be a part of the, the the playoff and if you if you catch magic like espn did on new year's eve uh you know then, then it's great but if, you know a, a lot of times i mean you knew at that in the stadium, you knew, er, like er, midway through the first quarter, like, oh boy, yeah, you know, okay, th- this game is pretty much dead toast.
0: We had some news last week. I reported that NBC for the Big Ten is going to have Noah Eagle and Todd, Todd Blackledge in their booth. Uh, I like this booth. Um, I think when you're a new group, like when you're doing a new uh, conference, uh marquee event, primetime on Saturdays. You want to come out strong. Noah Eagle, I get it. He's young, 26, son of Iron Eagle. I've listened to him a lot. The kid is excellent. Um and I think that's a good choice. Uh that's a that's a situation where yes he's someone's son, but he's really good. Uh, and he's gotten opportunities because he can do it. Uh he does he sounds a lot like his father who might be the best play-by-player in the business, and so that's a pretty good start. And then Todd Blackledge has been really good for, you know, very solid for a long time. It gives you that credibility, uh, has Big Ten background, even though I don't think, uh, I'm pretty sure Penn State wasn't in the Big Ten when he played there, but uh, they're in the Big Ten now. And so, uh, I, I thought that was good, and I've uh, coined them the Blackbird booth. Buy my my Blackbird booth.
1: Group that you work for, the New York Post, and I, I I work for SBJ. That's a that's a great name, the Blackbird. <laughs>
0: Thank you, John. Let's transition from college football and hit on a topic. Uh, one of your favorite topics, Sinclair. Our yeah. I love it. <laughs> so, what do we do? We when do we think they're going to bankruptcy? I know you've talked about it, like basically it's going to happen. And th- my question is this: because I do think uh, some birdies out there have said maybe it happens in the first quarter of this year, and if it does, and this is really my question, okay, I'm not really asking you to predict because you've already basically said that you think it's going to happen. I think basically everyone in sports, please, this is my big question, because this is something I'm really understanding even more. Uh, and, and I just think it's going to be a humongous story because that's what's fun about our covering media is a lot of this stuff. It just expands into the stratosphere and like college football, the media aspect of it really was the biggest part of all the deals. So that's why it's fun to cover what we cover. But I think this one also has that potential. So my question to you now, right, and this is for all these people who are listening, who cover teams uh, around what is it going to mean for these teams? That that's my question. When they go into bankruptcy and their rights are basically worth nothing, all of a sudden, correct?
1: Uh, not necessarily nothing, but it but it, it will be a disaster. This is why I'm I'm actually a little bit skeptical that they're going to go into bankruptcy. Even though, like you, I'm hearing increasing noise about this. And to be clear, it's uh, Diamond Sports going into bankruptcy okay. uh, potentially, not not Sinclair. And and the reason is, if they go into bankruptcy, all hell breaks loose. Nobody has control of it. So it doesn't. It's not. There's not going to be a very simple, simple, elegant way for Major League Baseball to go in and reclaim those rights. So potentially, if you're the Detroit Tigers, and and uh, you're, you're part of the Bally Sports RSN, you know, in in uh, in, in Detroit, Bally uh, Sports Detroit, if Diamond Sports goes into bankruptcy, they don't have to pay the Tigers from my, from my knowledge, their rights fee. They will eventually, but they can, they can essentially take out, you know, interest-free loans to say like, well, we owe this to you, but we're unable to pay it because we're in bankruptcy. And the Tigers and every other team have built into what they pay, you know, the, uh, what, what they pay the people that work for the team, what they pay the players what they pay everybody they, they th- this media revenue is a huge part of the revenue that they that they bring in it's a, the the biggest part uh, by far more than ticket sales or or their sponsorships or, or or anything else so there is a if it goes into bankruptcy it, it, it you know mm-hmm. nobody knows what's going to happen everybody i talk to says that every side wants to avoid bankruptcy because they they lose control
0: I want to hit on, we, we're going to wrap it up shortly, but I want to hit on one other thing though. Let's just say MLB is able to take back their rights. And this affects the NBA, affects the NHL, and affects Major League Baseball. Let's just, we are focus on MLB for the moment. Who's going to buy them, right? Does an Amazon come in and buy these rights and offer them locally, um, you know, in hopes of one day making this into this bigger business? Does Apple, doesn't really seem like they would do this, but Apple likes to have everything, but is this how they start to to have that model where you go through Apple? And is there a way to make up their revenue um, with world, like, you know, getting rid of the uh, the footprints that are all around and having it so you can buy it anywhere, which obviously changes the game because that would apply to all teams. So the Yankees could sell directly with Yes Network in Tampa, the games. You can get the Yes Network in Tampa, you just don't get the games. Uh, so where do you see who like where so that's where like to me, this is going to become such a huge story because where's that money going to be your place? Like who's going to pay for this? There's not an obvious place, but teams are still doing deals with valleys. There's nobody
1: else. I know the NFL is, is separate and, and to compare anything to the NFL is foolhardy because the NFL is, as, is so popular. But the NFL's Sunday pick ticket out of market package just sold for two billion dollars for more than two billion dollars a year unbelievably so you you just have to think about these rights differently like the rsn business is right now a bad business but the local rights the rights to local games are still valuable so if you take if you're a major league baseball and you take extra innings and you package it with the local team rights and you get and and uh and then you sell it to an apple and then you truly get like an iTunes of sports of sorts, uh, you know, or. yes, uh, So,
0: but the problem is the Yankees aren't going to play in that game.
1: Uh, and that's, that's the big problem. And the other Mets problem. aren't going to
0: play in that game, I don't think. And
1: the other problem that I foresee that this is why, like, like, there, there's no real elegant solution. If you get the NBA and baseball together to, to do sort of an all sports streaming service, like who owns more of it? The, the, they're not going to agree on on any of that. Baseball's gonna say, like, well, we play 162 games, so we should get, yeah. you know, 70%. I mean, ESPN, we
0: you know we even mentioned the mothership. I mean
1: well, the, the federal government made ESPN the, the uh, best the RSNs in, in the first place. So you know they, they I think they would still be interested in it but but they, they've already been told no by uh, uh you know by a, a former uh, administration and this administration that's currently in there is is less likely to allow something like that.
0: Mm, now. All right, so lot lot to talk about Sinclair. Just wanted to bring that one up.
1: Yes, yeah, uh, I, I love it. I, I finally got excited on this spot that's
0: I like, know you love <laughs> Sinclair.
1: Talk. All right, well, you have one last item before we go. Ryan Glass Beagle, uh, New York Post colleague of yours. I described him as a Gen Zer last week, and I just want to offer an official apology to Ryan. He's a millennial. I, 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 I would have uh, pegged him for Gen Z. He's a millennial, but in, in my household, I, I I rate Gen Z much higher than millennials. So, so that was actually a compliment.
0: Oh, there you go. All right. So Glass, you got to comment there, Glass, great follow on Twitter and just he'll break stories for us on sports media uh, and has tremendous content all over. If it's a glass people story you guaranteed to be interesting. Okay. It could be on anything, but it could guarantee. To be- <laughs> Honestly, what are we trying to do here? Be interesting. We're covering sports. So great job. Glass always does a great job. All right, John, you always do a great job as well. Uh, if you can like the pod, you can follow it. If you give it five stars, if you, uh, say something nice about it, it's very much appreciated. And of course, uh, we want to thank the people who put this together, uh, Chris Mason and AC Wyatt. Uh, as always, we appreciate their
1: work. Man, yeah, I got to run and catch a flight back east, man. So, always, always fun. Thanks for listening.
0: Stay flying, buddy.